Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Foss Corporation, LLC. Welcome once again to the mansion on the hill, the house of strange, the palace of mystery. This is the home of Terry's mysterious moments. This is season five. We thank you for listening to the show. Well, hello everybody. This is Terry from Texas. This is another episode of Terry's Mysterious Moments. How are y'all doing? I'm doing fine here. I'm recuperating well from my foot surgery. And, uh, you know, when I decided to name this show Mysterious Moments, I was thinking more in line of odd ghost stories, maybe, uh, scary stuff, strange things. But, you know, the more I research, the more I realize that there are odd things and mysterious things coming out in the natural world. So that's why sometimes I don't do spiritual stuff. I do scientific stuff, archaeological stuff, things like that. Well, this week, something that's been in the news a lot lately is a fish called a coelacanth. Have you seen the the news reports on it? The coelacanth, that big, ugly, plated fish that they keep finding? Well, on December 23rd, 1938, the first coelacanth specimen was found off the east coast of South Africa, off the Chalumna River. This was a fish that was thought to be extinct for 66 million years. It was considered to be a living fossil, and one look at it, you can figure out why. This thing is ugly. The coelacanths are members of a now rare formerly thought extinct order of fish called a coelacanthiform and that includes two existing specimens in the genus Latimeria named for the first scientist that, that uh, did sketches of the fig- of the fish they found in 1938 and stuff the west indian ocean coelacanth which is the Latimeria chalumne primarily found near the comoro islands off the east coast of africa and the Indonesian coelacanth, the Latimeria minaduensis, the name originates from the Permian genus Coelacanthus, which was the first scientifically named coelacanth. Coelacanths follow the oldest known living lineage of lobe-finned fish and tetrapods, which means they are more closely related to lungfish and tetrapods, which includes amphibians, reptiles, birds, and mammals. They're found along the coastline of Indonesia and in the Indian Ocean. The West Indian Ocean coelacanth is a critically endangered species. 
Well, of course it is. It was thought to be extinct for 66 million years. Coelacanths belong to the subclass Actinistia, a group of lobe-finned fish related to lungfish and certain extinct Devonians. Coelacanths were thought to have become extinct in the late Cretaceous, about 66 million years ago, but were rediscovered in 1938 off the coast of South Africa. Now, I remember seeing this being reported in a Ripley's Believe It or Not. Now, the thing about Robert Ripley, he never said that what he was telling you was true. He just said, you can believe it or you can't, or you don't. You don't have to. He's not telling you that it's all true. And, of course, some of the things he said were not true, but merely made up. Anyway, I remember seeing this as a child in a cartoon book, a comic book about Ripley, and believe it or not. The coelacanth was long considered to be a living fossil because scientists thought it was the sole remaining member of a taxon otherwise known only from fossils with no close relations alive and that evolved into roughly its current form approximately 400 million years ago. However, several more recent studies have shown that coelacanth body shapes are much more diverse than previously thought. The earliest fossils of coelacanths were discovered in the 19th century. The earliest fossils of coelacanths were discovered in the 19th century. On December 23, 1938, the first Latimeria specimen was found off the east coast of South Africa, off the Chalumna River. Museum curator Marjorie Courtney Latimer discovered the fish among the catch of a local angler, Captain Hendrik Goosen. Latimer contacted a Rhodes University ichthyologist, J.L.B. Smith, sending him drawings of the fish and he confirmed the fish's importance with a famous cable. Most important, preserve skeleton and gills. Fish described. Translate, save what you can. Its discovery 66 million years after its supposed extinction makes the coelacanth the best-known example of a Lazarus taxon, an evolutionary lion that seems to have disappeared from the fossil record only to reappear much later. Since 1938, West Indian Ocean coelacanths have been found in the Comoros, Kenya, Tanzania, Mozambique, Madagascar, in Simon Galiso wet part, and off the south coast of KwaZulu and off the south coast of KwaZulu Natal in South Africa. The Comoro Island specimen was discovered in, in December of 1952. Between 1938 and 1975, 84 specimens were caught and recorded. The second extant species, the Indonesian coelacanth, was described from Manado, North Sulawesi, Indonesia, in 1999 by scientists there, based on a specimen discovered by Mark Erdman in 1998 and deposited at the Indonesian Institute of Sciences. Erdman and his wife Arnaz Mehta first encountered a specimen at a local market in September of 97, but took only a few photographs of the first specimen of this species before it was sold. After confirming that it was a unique discovery, Erdman reported to Sulawesi in November of 97 
to interview fishermen and look for further examples. A second specimen was caught by a fisherman in July of 98, which was then handed to Erdman. In 2013, a group led by Chris Amaniah and Neil Shubin published the genome sequence of the coelacanth in the journal Nature. The African coelacanth genome was sequenced and assembled using DNA from a Comoros Island Latimeria chalone specimen. Due to their lobed fins and other features, it was once hypothesized that the coelacanth might be the most recent shared ancestor between terrestrial and marine vertebrates. But after sequencing the full genome of the coelacanth, it was discovered that the lungfish is the most recently shared ancestor. Coelacanths and lungfish had already diverged from a common ancestor before the lungfish made the transition to land. The vertebrate land transition is one of the most important steps in our evolutionary history, if you believe in that kind of stuff. We conclude that the closest living fish to the tetrapod ancestor is the lungfish, not the coelacanth. The coelacanth is critical to our understanding of this transition, as the lungfish have intractable genome sizes. Another important discovery made from the genome sequencing is that the coelacanths are still evolving today, but at a relatively slow rate. One reason the coelacanths are evolving so slowly is the lack of evolutionary pressure on these organisms. They have few predators and live deep in the ocean where conditions are very stable. Without much pressure for these organisms to adapt to survive, the rate at which they've evolved is much slower compared to other organisms. They've got no reason to change, so they don't. According to genetic analysis of current species, the divergence of coelacanths, lungfish, and tetrapods is thought to have occurred about 390 million years ago. Coelacanths were once thought to have become extinct 66 million years ago during the Cretaceous-Paleogene extinction event. The earliest identified coelacanth fossil found in Australia was of a jaw that dated back 360 million years named Eochtonistia forii. The coelacanth was widely spread, not just down in the South Indian Ocean. The former, the one they found in America, lived in the western interior seaway, while the other lived in the lakes and rivers of the Ibero-American island of a part of present-day France and Iberian Peninsula. So there were French and Spanish. A small bone fragment from the European Paleocene has been considered the only plausible post-Cretaceous record, but this identification is based on comparative bone histology methods of doubtful reliability. Some extinct coelacanths reached very large sizes with lengths between 11 to 21 feet, such as the Jurassic genus Trachymetabon, the Cretaceous taxa Mausonia megalocelacanthus and an indeterminate mosinid from Morocco. Coelacanths were never a diverse group in comparison to other groups of fish and reached a peak diversity during the early Triassic, which occurred between 252 to 247 million years ago. Relatively short time. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. 
But getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. The fossil record is unique because coelacanth fossils were found 100 years before the first live specimen was identified. In 1938, Courtney Latimer rediscovered the first live specimen, L. Chalumne, caught off the coast of East London, South Africa. In 1997, a marine biologist on honeymoon discovered the second extant species, Latimeria menaduensis, in an Indonesian market. In 1998, the first live specimen of Latimeria minoduensis was caught in Indonesia. Approximately 80 species of coelacanth have been described, including the two extant species. Before the discovery of a live specimen, the coelacanth time range was thought to have spanned from the Middle Devonian to the Upper Cretaceous period. Although fossils found during that time were claimed to demonstrate a similar morphology, the current coelacanth range is primarily along the eastern African coast, The Latimeria menaduensis was discovered off Indonesia. Coelacanths have been found in the waters of Kenya, Tanzania, Mozambique, South Africa, Madagascar, the Comoro Islands, and Indonesia. Most Latimeria chalumne species that have been caught have been captured around the islands of Grand Comore and Anjouan in the Comoro archipelago of the Indian Ocean. Though there are cases of L. chalumne caught elsewhere, amino acid sequencing was shown no big difference between these exceptions and, the, and those found around Comore and Anjouan. Even though these few may be considered strays, there are several reports of coelacanths being caught off the coast of Madagascar. Perhaps they like to move it, move it. This leads scientists to believe that the endemic range of Latimeria chalumne, coelacanths, stretches along the eastern coast of Africa from the Comoro Islands past the western coast of Madagascar to the South African coastline. Mitochondrial DNA sequencing of coelacanths caught off the coast of southern Tanzania suggests a divergence of the two Mitochondrial DNA sequencing of coelacanths caught off the coast of southern Tanzania suggests a divergence of the two populations some 200,000 years ago. This could refute the theory that the Comoros population is the main population, while others represent recent offshoots. A live specimen was seen and recorded on video in November of 2019 at 226 feet off the village of Mzumbe on the south coast of KwaZulu-Natal, about 202 miles south of the Simon Galisa Wetland Park. This is the furthest south since the original discovery and the second shallowest record after 177 feet in the Deep Gat Canyon. These sightings suggest they may live shallower than previously thought or at least at the southern end of the range 
where colder, better oxygenated water is available at shallower depths. The geographical range of the Indonesian coelacanth, the Latimeria minoaduensis, is believed to be off the coast of Manado, Tua Island, Sulawesi, Indonesia, in the Celebes Sea. Key components confining coelacanths to these areas are food and temperature restrictions, as well as ecological requirements such as caves and crevices that are well suited for drift feeding. Teams of researchers using submersibles have recorded the sightings of the fish in the Sulawesi Sea, as well as in the waters of Biak in Papua. Anjuan Island and the Grand Comore provide ideal underwater cave habitats for coelacanths. The island's underwater volcanic slopes, steeply eroded and covered in sand, house a system of caves and crevices which allow coelacanths resting places during the daylight hours. These islands support a large fish population that helps to sustain coelacanth populations. During the daytime, coelacanths rest in those caves anywhere from 328 to 1,640 feet deep. Others migrate to deeper waters. The cooler waters below 390 feet reduce coelacanth's metabolic costs. Drifting toward reefs and night feeding saves vital energy. Resting in caves during the day also saves energy otherwise used to fight currents. Coelacanth locomotion is unique. To move around, they most commonly take advantage of up or down wellings of current and drift. Their paired fins stabilize movement through the water. While on the ocean floor, they do not use the paired fins for any kind of movement. Coelacanths create thrust with their caudal fins for quick starts. Due to the abundance of its fins, the coelacanth has high maneuverability and can orient its body in almost any direction in the water. They have been seen doing handstands as well as swimming belly up. It is thought that the rostral organ helps give the coelacanth electroreception, which aids in movement around obstacles. Coelacanths are fairly peaceful when encountering others of their kind, remaining calm even in a crowded cave. They do avoid body contact, however, withdrawing immediately if contact occurs. When approached by foreign potential predators, for example a submersible, they show panic flight reactions, suggesting that coelacanths are most likely prey to large deep water predators. Shark bite marks have been seen on coelacanths. Sharks are common in areas inhabited by them. Electrophores is testing the 14 coelacanth enzymes and it shows little genetic diversity between coelacanth populations. Among the fish that have been caught were about equal numbers of males and females. Population estimates range from 210 individuals per population to 500 per population. Because coelacanths have individual color markings, scientists think that they recognize other coelacanths via electric communication. Coelacanths are nocturnal piscivores that feed mainly on bottom-dwelling fish populations and various cephalopods. They are passive drift feeders. They're lazy fish, slowly drifting along with the currents, 
with only minimal self-propulsion, eating whatever they encountered. Because little is known about the coelacanth, the conservation status is difficult to characterize. According to Frick, in 1995, there should be some stress put on the importance of conserving this species. From 1988 to 1994, Frick counted some 60 individuals of Elch alumni on each dive. In 1995, that number dropped to 40. Even though this could be a result of natural population fluctuation, it could also be a result of overfishing. The IUCN currently classifies Elch alumni as critically endangered with the total population size of 500 or fewer individuals. El Menaduensis is considered vulnerable with a significantly larger population size but fewer than 10,000 individuals. Currently, the major threat towards coelacanths is the accidental capture by fishing operations, especially commercial deep sea trawling. Coelacanths usually are caught when local fishermen are fishing for oil fish. Fishermen sometimes snag a coelacanth instead of an oil fish because they traditionally fish at night when oil fish and coelacanths feed. Before scientists became interested in them, they were thrown back into the water if caught. Now that there's an interest in them, fishermen trade them to scientists or other officials once they had been caught. Before the 1980s, this was a problem for coelacanth populations. In the 80s, international aid gave fiberglass boats to the local fishermen, which resulted in fishing beyond the coelacanth territories into more fish productive waters. Since then, most of the motors on the boats have broken down, so the local fishermen are now back in the coelacanth territory putting the species at risk again. Different methods to minimize the number of coelacanths caught include moving fishermen away from the shore, using different laxatives and malloreal salves to reduce the quantity of oil fish needed, using coelacanth models to simulate live specimens, and increasing awareness of the need to protect the species. In 1987, the Coelacanth Conservation Council advocated the conservation of the fish. The CCC has many branches of its agency located in Comoros, South Africa, Canada, the United Kingdom, the U.S., Japan, and Germany. The agencies were established to help protect and encourage population growth of coelacanths. A deep release kit was developed in 2014 and distributed by private initiative consisting of a weighted hook assembly that allows a fisherman to return an accidentally caught coelacanth to deep waters where the hook can be detached once it hits the sea floor. Conclusive reports about the effectiveness of this method are still pending. In 2002, the South African Coelacanth Conservation and Genome Research Program was launched to help further the studies and conservation of the coelacanth. This program focuses on biodiversity, conservation, evolutionary biology, capacity hunting, and public understanding. The South African government committed to spending 10 million rand on the program. 
In 2011, a plan for a Tanga Coelacanth Marine Park was designed to conserve marine biodiversity for marine animals, including the coelacanth. The park was designed to reduce habitat destruction and improve prey availability for endangered species. Coelacanths are considered a poor source of food for humans and likely most other fish-eating animals. Coelacanth fish is high in amounts of oil, urea, wax esters, and other compounds that give the fish a distinctively unpleasant flavor, make it difficult to digest, and can cause diarrhea. Their scales themselves secrete mucus, which combined with the excessive oil their bodies produce, makes coelacanths a very slimy food. Where the coelacanth is more common, local fishermen avoid it because its potential to sicken consumers. As a result, the coelacanth has no real commercial value apart from being coveted by museums and private collectors. Because of the surprising nature of the coelacanth's discovery, they have been a frequent source of inspiration in modern artwork, craftsmanship, and literature. At least 22 countries have stamps depicting coelacanths particularly the Comoros, where they have issued 12 different sets of coelacanth stamps. The coelacanth is also depicted on the 1,000 Comorian franc note, as well as the 55 Comorian franc coin. The coelacanth is decidedly a unique creature. Ugly as sin, and dietetically speaking, of no use to human as a source of food. This lazy fish simply exists to eat, it seems. But why is it apparently now only found in the southern hemisphere of this planet? Could it be that adapting to the planet is slower in the southern hemisphere? This simply is my conjecture, based on no study and on limited knowledge of the southern hemisphere. So that, my friends, is about the coelacanth. A pug-ugly fish, no good to eat, no apparent good use, but it still exists. It seems that I have found out what I was before I climbed out of the primordial ooze. I was a coelacanth. Well, that's the show for this week. Thanks for being along for the ride. I want to remind you that on Mondays, Aaron Hunter brings you Real Paranormal activity the podcast Aaron reads listener stories mostly ghost stories sometimes UFOs sometimes cryptids on Tuesday Aaron Frail brings you Aaron's horror show different things that he's written he reviews movies books things like that on Wednesday it's me Terry from Texas with Terry's mysterious moments where we talk about just about anything there is to talk about and at the first weekend of the month we have video from the witching hour and unexplained cases Aaron has instituted a new area called entertaining short films that's exactly what they are They're just short stories, nothing in particular, no particular genre, just entertaining. Remember that you can go to your app store, whether you have Apple or Android, 
download the RPA app, which is a black square with a blue eye in the middle of it. Download that to the device that you listen to the program on. Install it, and when you open that up, you can go straight to the Real Paranormal Activity, the podcast, and its network. So all the all the stories that are involved with RPA are there, so you don't have to go hunting for them. If you want to contact me at Terry's Mysterious Moments, you can do that on the Facebook page, and it's called Terry's Mysterious Moments, or you can email me at Terry's Mysterious Moments at gmail.com. Contact me if you want to. Let's talk about some things. That's about it. We'll be back again. Listen to the other shows. Have a good week, everybody.